0: Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. If you have your Bibles, you guys flip, flip to Matthew 18. We've got, we've got a lot of work and a little bit of time. So, um, uh, Matthew chapter 18, I want to, We've been on this journey talking about the kingdom of God, and it's just, it's just relevant today with what we're doing with the kids, but we've been in this deep dive, Um, we've talked about how Jesus in the gospels preached about the kingdom of God, and he demonstrated it with the power of the Holy Spirit that was on him, that was upon him. And so what we see is through the gospels, he's giving us a taste of what a kingdom reality looks like, and then something happens. He dies on the cross. He's risen on the third day. We just celebrated that. And for 50 days, the resurrected Jesus, he's resurrected in his glorified body. He's no longer marred beyond recognition, no longer. But he still has the nail scars in his hands and feet to declare, I was dead and now I'm alive, amen? And so he, for 50 days, he's gonna walk around, meet with believers, over 500 scripture records, 500 people are are encountering him. And you know what he's preaching? What's he preaching? Everybody say the kingdom of God. He's preaching the kingdom of God. He wants them to know this so deeply rooted in their hearts, which is why we're staying here for a while and talking about the kingdom of God. Then he says to them, hey, before you go out and do this, I want you to go, I want you to pray, and I want you to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem because you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost. And so they get together, and the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost and fills the believers. Now they go out roaring with the Word of God in their hearts and the power of God to declare that the Word of God is true. Amen? So it's like this Word of God, power of God, demonstration of power. It's amazing what happens. And all of a sudden, they change the known world upside down. This is the kingdom of God. This is what it does. And so this is why it's so important for us as a family to declare the kingdom, talk about the kingdom, and know what the kingdom is all about. And so last week, last week we talked about the context of the kingdom. What's the context of the kingdom of God? Everybody say unity. Unity. Unity is the context. It's what he calls us to. Jesus prayed, John 17, let them be one as we are one. So the context is unity. And he says, and then the world will know me. And in the context of unity, he uses a name. Everybody say family. Family. He says, you're unified, not as strangers. You're unified, not as neighbors. You're unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got one father, your brothers and sisters. And so there's a unity piece with this in the context of family. Today, I want to talk about the posture of the kingdom. So if the context is unity and family, then the posture of the kingdom is what I want to look at today. And everybody that reads Matthew 18 and Mark chapter 10, you're going to hear some language that's absolutely crazy of how he's going to illustrate the posture of the kingdom. He's going to tell you to become like a child. That the posture of the kingdom is, is for somebody that's going to become like a, a child. Which is fitting, because we just baptized a bunch of kids. And we just dedicated a bunch of kids in the last two services. And what he's saying, and I want to get on this real quick. And I want to, ch- I want to challenge your hearts with this. What he's saying is that he's going to get his kids, amen? God is moving, and, and I know we say this a lot. God is moving in this generation. I've heard words like, this is a godless generation. I've heard words like, this is a lost generation. I've heard words like, this generation, man, they are so crazy. They are running from the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm watching this generation come to Jesus. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to the lies. It's, it's just, the, 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 the enemy lies to deceive and so fear that this generation is going to run. Look, this generation is coming to know Jesus. We're seeing it every single day. Look at all these kids, man. And all it takes is one life changed by the love of Christ to change many lives. Amen. So, so he's going to get his kids. And I'm just telling kids can teach us a lot, can't they? Kids can teach us a lot. Chris and I, we've been on this uh, bend for a little bit these last few weeks. We've been watching old family videos. Don't do that. Don't do that. We've been watching all of our old family videos, and, and we watch, we've been watching these videos, and we're seeing our babies grow up. And man, as we're just watching them and seeing that innocence of them when they were just little, and here they are now, like we've got one almost 18, uh, one that's 16, one that's 13, and one one that's nine, and watching our babies grow up and watching these videos, and we're just like, man, look at the the babies that we had. Look at the innocence there. Look look at the funny things they did. Look at the annoying things. Come on, amen. amen. Look at the annoying things they did. And then there's many videos where I'm like, look how much hair I had in those days, and It's crazy, but a lot of this, a lot of this reasoning is, is that we're watching our oldest son transition now. He's, he's, he's got like a year and a half, he's out of the house, so 17, almost 18, and he's almost gonna be out of the house, and so he's had prom this week, he had prom this week, and, and, and as he's getting ready for prom, like, I'm having these flashbacks that, that my little guy is now a man, you guys know what I'm talking about, like, he's growing up. He's growing up, and as I'm watching him grow up, I'm having these flashbacks of when we were his world. There was a time that we were his world. There was a time where where Daddy and Mommy was it. All of the videos, Tyson's running around going, Daddy, Daddy, i got to tell you, Daddy, Daddy. Mommy, Mommy. And now it's, bruh. (laughs) Not even bro. You can't even get bro out? Yeah. What is that? (laughs) Bruh. Right? And, and it's, bruh, where's my money? Don't you say that, fool, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's just like he's, gr- he's growing up and it's is like, just like the approach, everything is, is changed. There was a time where he was running and hugging and jumping into our laps and now he's a 185 pound man, he's not jumping in my lap, all right? But, but, but everything's changing as he's growing up. The, the, the childlikeness that he ran around with is, is changing. There was a time where he was so dependent upon his daddy. There was a time where he was so dependent, he wanted to be around us and, man, he wanted, to, to, he wanted us to see his accomplishments. making me teary now, stop. Oof. He wanted to see his accomplishments. He's like, Dad, I gotta show you everything in my life. Like, there was this time when he was just young and it was all about his mommy and his daddy. And now, now, like I said, he was at prom, and he's all dressed up, and Chris and I show up to take pictures of him and his date, and he watches us walk up, and his eyes are like, Dear Lord, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and he just, there's this like, we are no longer cool and hip to him. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm hip, right? <laughs> and literally, he's in, he's in his prom, and there's these huge windows, and like thousands of students in line in their prom, and I'm pounding on the window going, Tyson, it's daddy! I own you, kid. <laughs> we all grow up, man. It's just a reality of life. We all, we all grow up. We all grow up, and yet, as we grow up and we start to lose the childlikeness, Jesus is going to tell us in our faith we need to gain childlikeness. And it's crazy. And so if you, Matthew 18:1, if you've got your Bibles opened, he says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples had an issue they always wanted to know who the greatest was like yeah you're you're good jesus but who's the greatest they had issues man and and calling to him a child jesus puts the child in the midst of him them and some say puts the child on his lap and he says truly i say to you unless you turn listen to this somebody underline this unless you turn and become like children you will everybody say "Never." never you will never enter the kingdom of heaven Unless you turn, that to turn means I was going a direction, I'm growing up in my whatever adulthood, but to turn means like I'm going this way, and my faith is becoming more like a childlike faith. Unless you turn and become like these children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Look what he says. And then he's going to define, he's going to define the posture of the kingdom of heaven. What's the posture? What's our heart's posture to get into the kingdom of heaven? And he says these words, whoever, ever says, humble's. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus just put the posture of heaven as humility. The posture of the kingdom of God is humility. And, and, and you get that with a childlike faith inside of you. In fact, he's so big on kids and just like how, what kids carry that he's going to give this warning right after that. He's going to say, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me, that, he says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone, big, huge stone, tied around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Somebody underline that and put bad. That's bad. Amen? Here's what he's saying. Why do you think there's such an attack on our kids today? Why do you think there's such an attack? Why do you think that human trafficking is the biggest industry right now in the world? Because the enemy wants to break, steal, and and destroy the identity of these kids. He's after it. And so we as a body of believers, we need to press in and see what the Lord is speaking about this childlike faith. We, we, We hear this all the time. We hear this all the time. Just grow up. Anybody ever heard? Anybody's spouse told you to grow up this week? Grow up. And we always attach that with a negative connotation, right, just grow up. Because when we're a kid, that's what we want to do. When you're a kid, you want to grow up. You you, want to be able to do what everybody else is doing, and you just feel like you're too small, and so you have a desire to grow up. But when you grow up, you wish you were what again? You wish you were a kid. We're crazy people. Like, we, we want to grow up, but then when you grow up, you're like, man, if I could just be a kid again, if I could just experience what a child experiences and not have all the worries and the things, if I could just be a kid again. I remember when I was a kid, I thought 20 years old was old. you guys remember that? Yes. Now we're, Christian and I, we are roaring in our 40s, and when somebody goes, you guys are over the hill, I'm like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is telling us that this posture of the kingdom this posture of the kingdom is becoming like a child. And so he's not talking about being childish. Let me just do a quick work on this. He's not talking about immaturity. Scripture's gonna say, get out of your childish ways. That there's a maturity that's going on in your life. He's not talking about childish ways. He's talking about seeing the kingdom through the posture of a child's eyes. Seeing the kingdom of God through the posture of a child's eyes, which we're gonna, we're gonna get there here in just, just a minute. Um. It's it's interesting because when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the Gospels, and he says, what must I do? What must I do to get to the kingdom of God? That's what he's asking. What must I do? Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's a turning in your life. All the things that you've grown up in and learned in life, you must put those away, and you must be born again. To be born again is like being born into that childlike faith again. Look, Look what he says here. He says, you must be born again. And so Jesus is going to illustrate this with a child on his lap when he says, he says, um, right before Matthew 18, he's telling the disciples, here's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be delivered up. Somebody's going to get me. They're going to kill me. And then I'm going to raise to new life. Right after, it says, it says the disciples were greatly distressed. But right after Jesus says this, right after this, they said, yeah, but who's going to be the greatest? So here Jesus is, like, declaring, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised up, and your first question is, which one of you is going to be the greatest? That's jacked up, amen? But yet, that's so revealing of our heart when we read the word. We're like, Jesus, you're really neat. How does this make me awesome? How does this make me really, really good? It's like somebody coming to you and saying to you, hey, I got bad news from the doctor. They're telling me my time is short, and you're like, oh, bummer. Can I have your boat? like that jacked up amen that's jacked up and so this is what it's like Jesus is like I'm gonna die I'm gonna be raised up and they're fighting over who's gonna be the greatest that's childish that's not childlike that's childish Jesus has been trying to reveal to them you want to know who the greatest is listen to my words right before this the one who lays their life down is the greatest the one who walks in humility is the greatest. And it's just not resonating with them. They're just not picking it up. So, so, so here's what he does. He grabs a young, he tells a young, a young boy, come here. I'm gonna use you as my illustration. And he sets this young boy in the midst of them. And he says, you wanna know who the greatest is? This is what the greatest is. And he's gonna use this for a kingdom principle. He goes, I'm gonna use this young boy. Why? Because kids in this time didn't have any prestigiousness to them. Kids in this time, they didn't have anything that really they carried that was any significant to the culture around. They were just kids. In fact, what you'll see most of the time in scripture is that they were constantly trying to get kids away from Jesus G- get away from him, shoo away from him. He's got more important things to do. This is the way they viewed kids. Kids didn't have power, kids didn't have strength, kids didn't have authority. Kids couldn't offer anything that had infinite or infinite significant value the way that they saw it. Kids were just kind of the lowly of the low, and yet Jesus was about to teach them a principle to the entrance to the kingdom of heaven, that it's not predicated or built on those things of power. It's not predicated or built on those things of authority. It's not predicated or built on those things of strength. Jesus is going to tell these men through this child that's sitting on his lap, it's not about your accomplishments, and it's not about your prestige, prestigiousness, it's not about your status, it's not about your strength, it's not about how, look how awesome I am, can I get in and be the greatest? It's not about how awesome I am, it's about this child sees how awesome he is. It's a big difference. It's about this child coming with a childlike mentality going, I have nothing to give but myself. I have no accolades to give. I have no prestigiousness to give. I have no status to give. Like me coming to you gives you nothing, God, except for me. And he's like, that's what I want. He's like, this is what the posture of the kingdom looks like. And Jesus will define greatness as the humility that this kid carries. And so Jesus calls this child over, and this child comes without reservation. Scripture doesn't say the child was nervous and stayed back, and Jesus had to coerce him. The child heard the calling of the father, of of, of Jesus, and Jesus' voice called the child, and the child came in obedience. He didn't come with swagger, didn't go, huh, pick me out of all of you, right? Child didn't come with swagger, didn't come with boasting, Didn't come with with any of that stuff. The child just simply came with simple obedience. Hey, I heard your voice and I came. This is the call of the kingdom. You see, it's a childlike faith. I heard the voice of the Lord and just in obedience I responded. And it becomes the illustration of how you and I enter the kingdom of God. What's my point? Why is this so important? Because we make it way too complicated. We make it going, you want to get to the kingdom of God? Here, I'm going to hold up a bunch of hoops and you've got to figure out how to get through them and fit through them. And yet what it is, it's a call of the Lord to obedience to his heart in humility, in our posture of you you and I going, you're the great one, not me. You're the awesome one, not me, and I'm coming. This is the posture of the kingdom of God. And I know this has been our word lately about saying things, man, we overcomplicate stuff, but it's true. We just make it complicated. And and look, Jesus is going to say it in Matthew 5, roaring the greatest sermon of all time in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off and he says these words, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's he say? For theirs is what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us right out the gate, The ones who get the kingdom of heaven are poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit? It means my, I know my need of you. I know that my dependence has to be upon you. And he goes, look, as we grow up, we stop believing that we're dependent upon him, but a child believes they're dependent upon him. And he says, this is the kind of faith that it's going to take. Let me, let me, let me give two just quick things on faith, okay? There's two different kinds of faith that we can roll in. We can roll in faith where it's faith that's built upon pride, and then there's faith that's built upon humility. And Jesus is gonna illustrate the same story in Mark chapter 10, with just a little bit of a a twist and a variation of it. And he's gonna say these words in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. He's gonna talk about the faith that's in humility, and he's gonna talk about the faith that's rooted in pride. And here's what he starts off with, with humility. He says, people were bringing children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples did what? They rebuked him. Get the kids away. This is how we treat it. They don't have anything to offer. Get them away. He's got other things to do. He's got bigger, more important things. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Do you know what that means? He had a holy ticked-offness, all right? Because you can have a holy ticked-offness. Jesus was indignant. He was not happy. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, Truly I tell you, just in case you missed it, he says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, what's the posture in which I receive the kingdom of God with? Anyone who did not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Look what he says, and he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. The posture in which he says the kingdom of God is taken with is with a posture of humility. It's a posture of innocence. It's a posture of obedience. It's a posture of saying, Jesus, I have nothing great to offer you but myself. And he says, that's what I want. Now, right after that, he's going to give us another kind of faith that's rooted in pride. A faith that's rooted in pride. Listen to what he says about this. So he just talks about this child entering the kingdom. And then another guy's going to come to him, the guy that's called the rich young ruler. And in verse 17, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or in other words, what must I do to get into the kingdom of heaven? What's my entrance look like to get in? What do I got to do? And so Jesus is going to go through some things like the, the commandments and the laws, and he's basically setting him up, right? And this guy comes back after Jesus answered, and he says, teacher, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. He's like, I'm perfect. I've kept all the commandments, which is not true, or Jesus wouldn't need to come, amen? So somewhere along the lines, this man has grown up being deceived that somehow he's good enough, that he's awesome enough, that he carries enough. And so to him, he's going, I'm pretty self-sufficient in myself. Does that get me entrance in? Now look what Jesus says to him. Jesus is like, oh, no, you haven't. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and hated him, What did he say? Jesus looked at him and loved him. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can speak over a person's life is something they don't want to hear. If we love them. Jesus didn't placate him. Jesus didn't say, ah, man, yeah, you've missed the mark. But look, I I recognize your feelings and I don't want to hurt your heart. So I'll change this and make a way, right? Jesus looked at him and loved him and was going to speak truth over him. Because truth sets us free. Listen. He said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will receive treasure in heaven. Then come follow me, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, his countenance fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think it's bigger than this guy's money. And it's bigger than this guy's treasure. Yes, he was unwilling to part with that. I think the root of it, the, this guy's treasure was the pride of his heart. The root of it, this guy's treasure was, look what I've done. I've created some awesomeness inside of me. I've done amazing things. Surely the kingdom of heaven for a guy like me. Like I've hit the mark. Really what this guy was dealing with is that his faith was predicated on himself. I've done really good for myself. I've really done well in myself, and so this guy did not want to put his faith in Jesus. He really had faith in himself, but he wanted the assurance of eternal life. Listen to why this is important. Jesus was pointing something out to this guy. His faith, his faith was in himself. His faith was in his possessions, and he wasn't willing to give those things up to follow Christ. What's my point? My point is, is that when we're trying to approach the kingdom of God. We're either going to come in in humility, understanding, I've got nothing to give God except for myself. Or we're going to come in and try to enter the kingdom of God going, I'm going to continue to pull myself up on my bootstraps, I'm going to continue to do everything that I know I'm going to do, I'm going to try to follow on, I'm just going to be perfect in and of myself and I'm going to try to enter the kingdom of God. One of those is going to get you in, one of those is not, amen? So, so just one, one minute. What does a kid carry? what does what this childlike faith look like? I was looking up a list of things that I saw for kids and what they carry. And when you become a child, or when you're a child, this is what we see kids carry in their life. Kids are trusting, amen? They're just trusting. Like children know how to trust without hesitancy. I love this. When, 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 when our kids were little, me and my brothers, we would take our kids and we would do what every good dad does, right? We would chuck them in the air as high as we could. And I mean, my brother would be like, I feel like he was really far. And I'd be like, I mean, we'd chuck our kids. And we would always catch them. At least 90% of the time, we would catch them. And they would fall into our arms, and we'd put them down. And I mean, that's fearful. You're flying out uh, 15 feet, right? And, and the kids, we'd put them down. And they didn't go, oh, I'm so afraid. They'd say, do it again. Do it again. Why? Because they are such a trust that their daddies were going to catch them. Kids have this faith of going, Even though there's danger and there's fear in that, when I know that I'm in the arms of my loving parents, I don't even know what fear and danger is. There's this trust that kids carry. But when we grow up, I've been using Carl, I've been picking on Carl here. When we grow up, like Carl, Carl's a grown man now. If I took Carl, I was like, Carl, I'm going to throw you. Here we go. One, he would put, put me down, fool. Right? Why? Because as Carl has gotten older and as he's grown up, he's like, I don't trust you. Nor do I trust your brother who I know will drop me, right? What? Because there's things in life that have gotten us in our heart to stop believing that somebody could be that good to catch us. And so we grow up and we start to lose the trust that we once had in the Lord. But here's the crazy thing. The Lord says, don't grow up in that, grow down in that. Start getting that childlike faith like you did when you were chucked in the air 20 feet and somebody's catching you and you're going, that's how my Lord is going to catch me, amen? So there's trust that kids carry. Kids are transparent. Man, what you see with a kid is what you get. They're not hiding their flaws. In fact, most kids flaunt their flaws. They're not trying to hide something that they're not. Kids just share their emotions with you. It just comes out of them. They're transparent. So many times we're trying to hide our hide all of our, hide all of our stuff so that nobody sees the real us. we got to get transparent again with our childlike faith. Kids are carefree. Anybody want to be carefree again? Man, I want to be carefree, I'm tired of the world, the world's worries. I'm tired of it. Little ones aren't worried about their reputation, how cool they are. We, we, we did, we did cupcakes for my daughter's birthday in her third grade class. This one boy in class, he pounded his cupcake. It was all over his face. I'm like, if you're going to eat it, that's the way to eat it. I mean, chocolate on his eyelids. This dude was hammering down on this thing. He didn't care what his friends thought. He just, I mean, he owned the room. He was walking around, chocolate all over. He's talking with his friends. I'm like, here's a kid who's carefree, could care less about his reputation. How do we get back to that? We get childlike faith again, amen? Kids are persistent. You ask any parent, kids are persistent. They never ever ever get tired of asking questions. Because they know deep down, if I ask enough, if I say enough, can I, 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 please, 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 they know that there's a good chance their mom and dad is giving in. They're persistent, they're bold and they're asking. This is the kind of persistence that scripture says that we come with to the kingdom of God where we're bold and we're just like, Lord, I'm going to be persistent like a child. He's like, I know. I want it. Ask me. Ask me. Kids have an imagination. Kids have an imagination. Amen? They just have an imagination. Children can see possibilities where all we see is problems. Like kids can see in their imagination that there's no limitation. It's crazy. You ask a little kid, just a little five-year-old boy like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? I'm going to be an NFL football player on the moon. And everything in our adultness goes, there's no such thing, right? But to them, they don't care. They don't care if there's never been an NFL player that plays football on the moon. To them, it's a possibility. I think as we've grown up, we've stopped believing with our imagination of what God can do in His power and authority. we stopped believing. So you listen to the stories. Do you hear a guy named Peter walked on water? And we're like, yeah, that's a good story. And then somewhere in our heart, we're like, I don't think you can do that. Well, he says you can do that. But we stopped believing with our imagination. Why? Because we grew up and we lost our childlike faith. The last thing is this, kids are joyful. They don't base, they don't base their joy off of their circumstances. They base their joy off of being in a household of love. David says, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Kids are joyful because they don't, they don't wake up in the morning and they go, man, I wonder if I'm going to have food to eat. Kids are joyful because they don't wake up in the morning and and they go, man, I wonder if I'm going to get in a car and it's going to crash. That's not what goes on in a little child's mind. In that mind of a child, they wake up and what they know, all they know is my joy comes from that loving mom, that loving dad, that loving family that I'm a part of. And this is what Jesus has invited us into in His kingdom with childlike faith. Amen, church. But somewhere along the lines, somewhere along the lines, the enemy has tried to get you to buy into, grow up, grow up with that faith that makes you stop believing and trusting in the Lord. Grow up in that faith that makes you stop believing in the imagination of that God can do anything. Grow up in that faith where you've got to hide and not be transparent anymore because nobody really wants to see the real you. And the Lord's going, No, no, no. You grow up into maturity, but in your faith become childlike. Grow up in your maturity, but in your faith become like one of these children. You've got nothing else except to come before Him and go, Lord, it's me, your favorite child. And He's going, I know I delight in you. Would you guys stand with me in the house? There's a posture, there's a posture of the kingdom to come before Him with childlike faith. I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. If you feel like you have lost that childlike faith, you feel like you've lost the childlike faith, will you just extend your hands out today? Because I wanna pray childlike faith over your heart again. I wanna pray that you begin to trust the Lord like like that little kid, like that little child. I wanna pray that you can come radically before the Lord in humility, going, Lord, I have nothing to offer. And He goes, all I ever wanted was you. So Father, for those hearts, it's time to fight. It's it's time to fight for the faith of a child again. Because the enemy wants us to dumb everything down in our grown-upness to believe that somehow, God, I can't trust you anymore. I can't be transparent with you anymore. I can't be persistent in prayer, because you're never going to answer it. I can't be imaginative with you anymore, because I just, I know what the world says is true, and and I just don't know about your word or whatever, And and I can't have joy unless my circumstances line up. God, I pray, break that off of us in Jesus' name, and I pray you would bring us back to a childlike faith. I trust you, Jesus. You're going to catch me, I know it. I'm going to be persistent with you, Jesus. I'm going to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask because you tell me to. I'm going to be transparent with you, Lord, because you already know what's going in my heart and you love me. I'm going to be joyful and not count my my circumstances as whether or not I'm joyful or not. I'm going to be joyful because of who you are as a loving Father. I pray, Jesus, over every heart that has felt like they've lost that childlike faith, God, would you reinstill it in their hearts today because you say that the kingdom of God, the posture of entering in, is with that childlike faith, and so Jesus, bring us back to that. In your name we pray. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's Word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.